When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as She Cup, and I am here with our other host. And I am Austin, also known as Teacup. Uh, excited to be here for this episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. Me too. And I am really excited. We're not starting a new season, but we are starting a new series. So we're still in season three, but we are officially, officially done with Pieces of Eden. For now, maybe they will add some more and we'll talk about some more later on down the road, but we are starting a new series and I have heard, Austin, that we are talking about some of the more modern day assassins. Yeah, that is correct. I just want to say that there are still more Isu topics to cover and we definitely will be doing that. We still have not done our Isu Sages episode and that is in the works. I know people have asked about that and really diving into what an Isu Sage is, and then other topics like this. But now we're coming in to our episode on the Assassin Cells, which is a kind of modern concept, mostly modern concept, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. But so basically, Assassin Cells are what they sound like. They are small groups or units within the Assassin's Brotherhood that are you know, operate relatively independently of one another, just kind of 
really secluded and operate that way. Now, you might be asking, I mean, how is this different from how the assassins have always operated? It has always been kind of like a small group of people just operating with the assassin brotherhood. Well, so this replaces what we typically know as the assassin brotherhood which is the guild system so that is the system that is kind of like each city has a, an assassin's hq and the assassins that operate in that city and surrounding areas that still happens with some of the cells but they are vastly smaller than the guilds and they're not as established in the city like Everyone knows that that's a headquarters of some kind of organization. They are much more underground using disguises, secret locations, other things like that. The other guilds in other cities knew about the Assassin's Headquarters. Like when, think about Assassin's Creed Revelation, when Ezio goes to Istanbul, to Constantinople, they all know who he is. They all know about the things that he's done because they communicate. The assassin cells have no communication with each other. They know what each other is doing, but they don't know their identities. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know anything like that. So I have two thoughts. First, I think this makes complete sense that they would move away from the guild method because, you know, if you just think about what we've seen in the games, going back even to Assassin's Creed 1 and also Assassin's Creed Revelations where we get more of this information, but just thinking about Altair's story and how he literally has to fight his way through Masyaf twice um, and they're being attacked from the inside and from the outside, yes, but it's... It's it's very interesting, I think, that they would move to this because it it shows that they are an organization that is willing to make changes and that they are an organization that's willing to say, OK, we maybe did this wrong. Now it's time for something new. And, you know, in my experiences with institutions, that's a pretty rare quality. Um, and I, I think also it is a quality that the Templars absolutely do not have. So I think it makes total sense that they would move to this cell system instead of continuing the guild system, guild system, especially when, well, they've been through a lot of attacks. Right. And that kind of brings us to our next point. By the middle of the 20th century, like right when Abstergo starts making its face into the world, the assassins realize that now that the Templars have the resources of a major world corporation, the assassins are much more effective and safer if they go through this decentralized um, route with their, though they are, there typically is an assassin cell per city or metropolitan area. Like there's not just one cell that oversees all the United States. That would be virtually impossible given the right. geograph geographical area. So here's a quick question. Like I know I'm going to bring this man up, but for example, William Miles is the leader of a cell, right? Yes and no, but we'll get okay. to that. Go ahead and ask your question. It's just an example question. Like, do the leaders of other cells like know who some of the other leaders are? Because it just seems a little infeasible to me for no one to know who anyone else is. Right. Typically, other leaders of cells might have contact with them. So, like, the Canadian cells might 
know who each other are with the American cells just from geographic and then running into each other. But there is only one person under this system that knows all the cells. And who is that one person? That is the mentor of the Assassin's Brotherhood. Now, if we go back to the guild system where we go there, each guild or city or brotherhood, like the Italian or the Spanish Brotherhood, had a mentor that leaded it. And then they communicated with other mentors. But there wasn't really like a grand mentor, per se, that led all of them. This is more of that kind of idea. He's the leader of all the assassins. He's the only one that knows where every cell is and what every cell is doing. And so his identity is a vastly guarded and protected secret. So much so by the time of like the 2000s and the 2010s, no one really believes that the mentor actually exists from assassins and Templars. That's interesting because also they're kind of copying the Templars. Like the Templars are the ones who've always had the the one leader, the father of understanding, like the leader at the top, um, not the assassins. The assassins have always been a more equitable, I guess, organization than the Templars. So I think that that's interesting that they're kind of like doing things totally opposite that the Templars would. And at the same time, copying some of the things that have worked for them. Right. So people, the reason that we do know that this mentor figure does exist is that because in the early 2000s, specifically 2000 exactly, Daniel Cross instigates the Great Purge by killing the mentor of the Assassin Brotherhood, thus revealing to Abstergo the location of every assassin cell and ushering in a mass extermination of the Assassin Brotherhood. I know we've talked about it before, but it's really striking me how similar this is to Order 66 in Star yes. Wars. Yes, it's very similar. And uh, so we actually have the comic where this takes place. Uh, it's sitting on your bedside table right now. Waiting to be read. <laughs> yeah, but I've read it and it plays very similar to Order 66 when it kind of comes out in the comic. Uh, for those of you who know, it is Assassin's Creed. Um, the Fall. The Fall, I believe, yes. And so after this, they actually assigned two people to be the mentor, just because not only were all the cells wiped out, but they were now leaderless. So they say, okay, let's keep this system, but let's have two people that do this. And so the mentor roles are taken over by William Miles and Gavin Banks. And I do have in my notes here, Q Shelby Psy. Um, I don't like it. I know you hate William Miles. I do. I'm president of his fan club. Or his hate club. Or his hate club. Shit. <laughs> I am president of his hate club. Yes, that is yes. that is correct and factual. So I have a kind of discussion question before we get into our cell today, which is, do we think this is the most effective use of the Assassin Brotherhood? You know, I, um, I'm not sure if I could answer what is the most effective use of the Assassin's Brotherhood, just because I don't think I'm equipped to answer that. But I do think that the cell model is much more effective than the guild model, because when you do have this guild model, you're, you're basically a sitting duck, like you 
are broadcasting to the world, not only your location, but how many people you can house and your power. And you're basically just asking for people to attack you. And not only like, do you have to protect yourselves? You also have to protect your fortress. And I feel like with the cells, you can kind of like, you can be more flexible. You have more flexibility. You don't have to worry as much about protecting your headquarters or your home base because it's different. It changes it. Nobody knows what it is. So I think that I think that that allows them to be more flexible, which tends to make more effective people. Right. I mean, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I tend to agree or I tend to like side with you on that of like, yes, this is the more effective use of the assassin brotherhood because they're much harder to pin down on the one hand though, the benefit of the guild system is that they were much more defendable. So the assassin cells are like four or five people max. And so when Templar sends a strike team of 12 people to take them down, they don't really stand much of a chance no matter how, you know, successful they are. It's kind of the age old debate between like, would you rather be able to take any hit or dodge any hit? But if one hits like take any hit, but it's easy to hit you or dodge any hit. But if you get hit, you're down for the count. Right. Right. And I think I think that the change in a modern society makes complete sense because there are so many more ways that the Templars can get at the assassins in modern times than in any of the historical stories we've seen so far. There's also just the fact of like you need some more secretive kind of approach in our modern world. Not because I think the age old thing of like everyone was in medieval times walking around, you know, with a sword and bow on them all the time, because that's just not reality. But people carrying weapons in public was not as strange as it would be. You know, if we walked down the street and saw someone armed to the teeth, I know we live in the South, but even then, like, it's going to bat some eyes. So yeah, so you're ready to talk about an individual cell? Let's do it. All right, so I know I said that this was a modern thing or a somewhat modern thing. And the reason I said somewhat is because the first cell we're talking about takes place in the 15th and 16th century. So I was anticipating we were going to be in the 90s, like maybe the 70s. So this is a big jump. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, the, we're starting in 1475. So this is uh, Francesco Vecellio. So quick question before we really get into this one. Uh -huh. This is the time of Ezio, right? Yes. Okay. And we'll talk about him. Don't worry. Anyway, so Francesco Vecellio's cell. This is who we're talking about. This is the first assassin cell. And really kind of, maybe not officially in lore, but we can kind of look at this and be like, this is the model that they developed this around. So first, let's meet the team. So the first one is obviously Francesco Vecellio. He's the leader. Um, he's born into the Brotherhood in 1475. So he's a little younger than Ezio, but not by much, maybe 10, 20 years. And so he's born into the Italian Brotherhood, and he's trained by 
Pedroto Calderon, who we see occasionally in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, mainly because he betrays the Brotherhood because he falls in love with Lucrezia Borgia. Ew. That's what I wrote in the show notes. We're, um, our faces that we're making right now are very similar to that Jimmy Fallon sketch. Ew. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Ew. Um, for those of you who have not played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, or Ezio Trilogy is still on your list, definitely play it because it's awesome. And second, Lucrezia Borgia is kind of like Cersei Lannister before like Cersei Lannister. Like Lucrezia and Cesare, she's Cesare's sister. Like they were like the prototype to base Cersei and Jaime off of, really. Absolutely agree. Also, I just have to call it out. Um, here's your regular Game of Thrones reference. You know, I actually don't know because, you know, the Game of Thrones book could have come out before Brotherhood. But Lucrezia Borgia was a real person. So I still have the jump on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think Game of Thrones did come out first. Yeah, because the first one, A Song of Ice and Fire, came out in 1996. And then... You know, Brotherhood didn't come out till 2010, so. Right. But, you know, it was a while before I feel like Jamie and Cersei Lannister, like, came into the modern, like, pop culture, things we talk about, things people know about. Right. But Cesare and Lucrezia's relationship is a rumor in, histor- in history. Like, it's not really confirmed. So he falls in love with Lucrezia Borgia, which is like, why you would ever think she would love you is you have no standing compared to anyone. She's the daughter of the Pope. Come on. So the Assassin's Brotherhood is obviously like, what What the hell, bro? What are you doing? What's happening to you? And they basically order his death, even though Francesco tries to talk them out of it. But he is... They say, they basically say, we'll grant him a mercy and let you be the one to kill him. Yikes. And so he hunts him down and does end up executing him. And then after his death, he comes and he apprentices to Ezio in Rome. And after his training with Ezio and a visit to Leonardo da Vinci, where he gets developed what's called the hidden bolt, which is kind of like a hidden crossbow instead of the hidden gun because Ezio was like you can't have the hidden gun that's mine but you can do whatever you want which is seems kind of dumb because I'm pretty sure that you can equip your recruited assassins in brotherhood with the hidden gun (laughs) uh yeah well it makes sense let's just say that it makes sense and move on (laughs) even though it doesn't so after he's done with his training he gets put in charge of this team of assassins whose basic sole purpose is to disrupt the Borgia influence in all of Italy. They focus mainly in Rome and areas around Rome, but they go all over. And we'll talk about that when we get to their achievements. His other notable achievement outside of the cell is that he does hunt down Giovanni Borgia, who is Lucrezia's child with his former mentor. 
So he hunts down Giovanna Borgia and basically convinces him to join the assassins and recruits him into the assassins, though he doesn't join Francesco's team. Impressive resume. Yeah, for sure. So our next person, which I think is going to be your favorite, Shelby, is uh, Cipriano Inu. So he is born in the continent of Africa and before he moved to Rome. Now, they say they don't know his country of origin, but Ubisoft, we need to be a little better. I know you say it's the continent, but Africa is the continent. It is not a monolithic culture. We could do to know which country he comes from. Yeah, just pick one. Right. Any any of them. Just pick one. Right. And you could just pick any of the North African countries and it would be realistic or logical that he would immigrate to Rome. Like that happened all the time. Right. And like not even one of the North African, like, you know, just like the middle of Africa, too, you know. Right. Or he could be from Egypt. Egypt Mm -hmm. is in Africa. He could be from Ethiopia, which was constant having trade in between all this area. Right. It could be anywhere. Just be better, Ubisoft. So when he immigrates, he is befriended by an old man who takes him in and teaches him seven languages. Uh, And Inu was able to speak and converse in all seven languages without an accent. I can't even do that in English. My native language. I know, right? Right. And then he was also a very skilled archer in his training, able to hit free running assassins during training. And so that's pretty impressive because they're moving pretty fast to be able to peg them down. And he's able to do that not when he's competent and like learned as an assassin, but when he is in his training. Correct. So I um I disagree with your assessment that Inu is gonna be my favorite. My favorite is the old man who taught him all the languages. Of course, of course. (laughs) Our last one is uh, Tessa Varzi, who is, we don't know a lot about. She has a very unknown past prior to her coming to Rome and to do her apprenticeship with Ezio. She is an expert thief and pickpocket. And she also excelled at the use of poisons creating poisons that did things from paralyzing all the way to just killing you, putting you to sleep, all kinds of things. So um, I feel like this one, Tessa, is going to be or would be someone who would be friends with Rosa from Assassin's Creed 2. That's um, the sister in the Thieves Guild, right? In Venice? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I have. If you have anything else to say about that, Otherwise, we can go to our break. Cool. Yeah, let's go to our mid-break. Makose! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill-fit for whatever it is you're plotting. (laughs) This one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many. But never have I heard of dull and duller. All right. So welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first 
thing that I have to tell you about every week is that this is our time to thank our patrons. We're so thankful for all of our patrons. We love you so much, and we're so thankful for your support. And you too, if you're listening and you're not a patron, you can become one of our patrons. You can support us for as little as $5 a month and higher. And at certain tiers, at the $20 tier and higher, you can even join us on the show once a month. All patrons can get to vote on the topics that we talk about. Um, but yeah, if you're at the $20 tier and higher, you get to actually come on the show with us once a month, every month. And we're starting those this week. So the next episode, um, or we're starting those this month. So the next episode that we release will be a patron chat. So I'm super pumped about it. And then if you can't necessarily support us financially, we totally understand that. Um, but the next best way to support us is to leave us good ratings and reviews. If you do leave us a review with um, five stars and some nice things to say, we will read it out on the show. So I do have one to read today. And this one is from Trash Client. And they said more games cast five stars. I just started listening to your podcast and I'm still getting caught up, but I love it. It's everything I need until Mirage comes out. would love to hear you guys deep dive into Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Thank you so much for this awesome review, Trash Client. I'm super thankful that you took the time out to review us. Um, but if you do want more games cast, we don't have a lore cast on, on the Horizon games, but we do have another lore cast on the Dragon Age games. And Austin does another uh, podcast with another host, not me. Um, and that one's about Star Wars and comparing the canon versus the Legends material. And then we have another podcast. This is the last one that we have together. Um, and it is a read through of the Aragon books. Um, and that one's called the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. So we do have several podcasts. Unfortunately, we're probably not going to start a Horizon podcast because it's a PlayStation exclusive and we don't have a PlayStation. We have an Xbox. So um, thanks for your support. We really appreciate it. The next thing I have to tell you about is our Discord server. We have a really awesome server. It's called the Cups Podcasting and More server. It's the best place on the internet. It's my favorite social media. There's all kinds of fun people in there. And we just have a great time talking about all of our favorite games, memes, pet pictures, all kinds of stuff. So definitely join us if you have Discord. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is my playthrough. So I am well into um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I am officially out of the introduction. I have gotten my boat. Um, I've been to a few different main missions, met some Templars, uh, done several things. So I am really enjoying it so far. Do you have thoughts on my playthrough, Austin? Uh, yeah, you're doing good. Am I really Shit. doing good, or are you just saying that? Yeah, you are much better at the ship in this game than you were in Assassin's Creed 3. Well, there wasn't much ship combat in that, but it is still hard for me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to master it, but I'm trying. I, I really, honestly, like, there has not been a ship battle that I have been able to do on the first try, which, like, no shame, whatever, um, but... That's just where the cookie crumbles, I guess. Yeah, you'll you'll get the hang of it. And the good news is, is you don't have to be a master at it to beat the game. You just probably won't be able to do the legendary battles. What's the legendary battle? 
they're special battles that give you a bunch of money. Oh. Okay, that's fine. I don't really need that. It's not story I'm going to be missing out on. No. Yeah, then I'm good. Well, that's about it with my playthrough. Um, is there anything else you need to talk about in the middle of the show? I don't think so. All right, well, let's get back into it. Me, Haytham. I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow? Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Yanka! Yanka! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place. I'm poor Bianca. If something's happened to her... Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. Okay, so let's get into what they actually do, this cell. So they, obviously, as I said before, their main goal is to disrupt Borgia influence across all of Italy. So some of the big things that they do is they defend the city of uh, Camerino. They rescue several prisoners that Cesare was just going to execute for his entertainment. <sighs> I hate Cesare. They also protected uh, Novara and Copernicus from Templar killers, and those are astrologers. They also orchestrated the deaths of several Templars, including Rocco uh, Tepolo, Kine, Taha, and Belise de Silvia. That's a lot of things they do that start really push pushing in against the Borgia machine. However, this can't last. Do you have any questions, Shelby? Not yet. Okay. So they start doing pretty well and things are going okay. But naturally things in Assassin's Creed never stay okay. So Cesare would invite a French Templar named Charles de la Motte to terrorize the citizens to draw out the assassins. So basically, he basically invited this French Templar to bring his army to basically harass Italian citizens that are technically under his protection to draw out the assassins in an attempt to like pin them down and kill them. And so naturally, Francesco's team seeks to protect the citizens. However, this is the trap. Cesare would then send his own army to team up with the French military. And this assassin's team was quickly overwhelmed and basically had to barricade themselves in an inn. And then just as they were, were attempting to get the word to Ezio, the Templars break into the inn and set it ablaze. The team basically tries to get the innkeeper and tries to make it to the second floor. They're there with the three of them and with several other assassins. But as they're trying to make it to the second floor, the floorboards underneath them shatter and several assassins, including 
Tessa would fall into the flames and die. I'm really sad. Well, hold in there because it's not (laughs) going to get much better. So they would attempt to get through the roof. However, the innkeeper couldn't really make it. Uh, He told Francesco to go on without him and to leave him. Francesco's obviously like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, come with us. You can. But he does it anyway. And he basically forces them to leave him behind. And the innkeeper is consumed by the flames as well. So when they get to the roof, there's no cover. And the Cesare's men are there with guns. And they start shooting down the assassins. Inu is shot into the neck. uh, And Francesco tries to save him. But the assassin bleeds out in his arm. And then somewhere, there's a distraction to the guards and an explosion happens somewhere and Francesco loses consciousness and wakes up and was saved by an unknown rescuer who we do not have any idea who they are, but he survived. So if you had to guess, who would you say the rescuer is? I think that it could be three people really realistically. I think it could be Ezio. Uh, I think it could have been Machiavelli. I think it could have been, I guess it's four people. It could have been La Volpe and his thieves, or it could have been Claudius Courtesans. Yeah, because it, it basically has to be an assassin, right? I think so. I think either Machiavelli or one of the courtesans makes the most sense to me, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't really think it makes sense for it to be Ezio because, like, how would he have gotten that information? Um, if the person that was like trying to get him information, like they didn't make it out alive in time. So why would, why, how would he be able to get there? Number one. So I think it makes the most sense for it to be either associates of La Volpe or associates of Claudius courtesans, um, because they're kind of all over and they have like smaller groups. And so it makes sense that they would just coincidentally be in this town already. Right. So that's really the end of the team. We have a little bit follow-up with Francesco. So he never does reform a team again, though he does train his own apprentices. And so his last assignment is that he would eventually take an assignment assassinating Niccolo P.T. Galliano. And he would basically go up and infiltrate him and attempt to assassinate him and this would lead to the discovery that Niccolo had a Shroud of Eden. So when Francesco attempts to assassinate him, Niccolo basically like crawls away and tries to basically get this Shroud to heal him, but it rejects him and then he dies. And then Francesco leaves with the Shroud and that's the last we really see of him. Okay, so this is interesting. So it is this Shroud of Eden that Niccolo, whatever the heck his last name is, is this the Shroud of Eden that has the um the the that has Consus in it, or is this a different Shroud of Eden? I think it is that particular Shroud of Eden because it rejects him. So I feel like there has to be some kind of like consciousness going there. But we do know that people People who do not contain high enough percentages of ISU DNA, when they try to use pieces of Eden, they do turn on them. But 
there's no real telling. I think it probably is the same shroud. I'm going to be contrary and say that it's the second one. Okay. <laughs> well, we might find out, we might not, because all of this information comes from the Assassin's Creed Facebook game, Project Legacy. Did you just say a Facebook game? Yep. <laughs> I am confused. I never played it, so I have no, no, no idea about it. Well, to be fair, you barely have a Facebook account, so. That's true. Those are all facts. So that's really all I got. You got any last thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I think I'm really going to enjoy this series. I think I I do think that the the cells are a really interesting way that the assassins have evolved. So I enjoyed this. Um, I'm sad that this one had a sad end, but I am also afraid that the rest of them are also going to have a sad end. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, happy endings aren't really the assassin way. So yeah, like I'm pretty sure that Ezio is the only one that gets one. Avor, Cassandra can have one. Well, now I'm nervous. All right. Well, we'll be back again next week. But next week will be our patron chat. So we'll be back with in two weeks with our assassin cell series. Awesome. So exciting. Anything you got anything else? Uh no, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next week. listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light.
well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue, and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.